You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hey there, happy Wednesday everybody. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Thank you so much for joining me this hour and got a lot lined up. Uh, got a great guest today, a frequent visitor to the show, somebody from right here, Fantasy Sports Radio, and uh, that would be Matt Modica, Mr. Wall Street, Mr. Uh, starting Pitcher Index. Uh, when I want to talk starting pitching, I uh, usually uh, bring Matt on the show. And uh, he's going to help me uh, scout out some pitchers who have some big-time uh, bust potential, but also some big-time, uh, I guess, uh, not necessarily breakout potential, but potential to, uh, to be very, very good. And uh, in an era where there is just not a whole lot of safe start starting pitching outside the top 30, got a few names that we're going to look at who... I don't think we could say they're safe, but we'll see if maybe the upside outweighs the downside. So looking forward to that discussion with Matt. He's also going to stick around and help me preview third base as uh, I continue to go around the horn and preview each position one by one. And as always, I'll start out with uh, a bit of news. And uh, the big story so far today is that Lucas Duda has a home. And it's in Kansas City. He has signed a one-year deal with the Royals for $3.5 million, coming off of um, a, a season of extremes, uh, which is, is sort of the kind of hitter that he is. Uh, a lot of uh, strikeouts, a lot of flyouts, a lot of power. Weird season, though, for Lucas Duda, even by his standards. He batted just 217, splitting his time with the Mets and the Rays last year. But he did hit 30 home runs. Only scored 50 runs. I mean, that is just one very weird ratio. Uh, Drove in just 64. So a lot of power, not a lot of run production. I think uh, there's a bit of flukiness in that for Lucas Duda. Uh, He would seem to be slotting in as at least a platoon uh, first baseman for the Royals, getting the bulk of the at-bats. I've not seen anything specifically about playing time. I would think that's right now the worst-case scenario barring an injury or uh, just a really bad spring. So uh, he definitely becomes, uh, I think, more of a deep league option at first base. I'd say not quite a late-round flyer in a 12-team mixed league, but just just a little beneath that. Uh, also in first base news, uh, an update on Yuli Gurriel, who had a hand injury. And just earlier today, Wednesday, he had hammock bone surgery, so uh, yet another uh, hand surgery early on in spring training here. Kind of odd how that uh, seems to be going around, uh, almost like the, the flu. Um, but uh, he is expected to have a five- to six-week recovery time. That, according to Astros General Manager Jeff Lunau, uh, as told to Jake Kaplan of The Athletic. So uh, best-case scenario is that he'll miss a little bit of time at the beginning of the season, most likely, I would think that would open up a little bit of playing time for A.J. Reed. Um, maybe we see a little bit of Marwin Gonzalez at first base. So I don't think it's a, it's a huge boon for anybody, but probably helps those two players a little bit more than I would think uh, just about anybody else. And yesterday, right on the show here... Uh, Practically breaking news for us, Mike Florio on the show uh, told us that uh, Tim Lincecum had uh, signed with the Rangers. Now, um, his role has yet to be determined. There was a piece on MLB.com basically leaving just about every possibility open. He could be in the rotation for the Rangers. They have brought in a whole bunch of veterans to uh, possibly take a shot at that fifth starter role. He could just be generic middle reliever he could he could be the closer potentially and that was to me maybe the buried lead in the in the piece about Lincecum is that the closer's job uh to just take the words right out of this piece uh, from mlb.com the closer's job appears to be open and that is kind of lousy news for Alex Claudio and uh 
therefore kind of a lousy news for me because I've targeted Claudio in some of my earlier drafts. He's very cheap. We could see why, because he is probably one of the more vulnerable incumbent closers due to not only competition there, which maybe just got a little stiffer with the addition of Tim Lincecum, but he doesn't really have a traditional closers profile. A lot of ground balls, a ton of soft contact from Claudio. He was very good last year, but very few strikeouts, especially for a closer. So um, I don't know. I still think Claudio could prevail there. He was really good. He was really good. And Jeff Bannister probably cares a whole lot less about his K rate than you and I do. So we'll see. But even I, who have been targeting uh, Claudio, will uh, discount him a bit because of this news. Uh, Anthony Swarzak got injured yesterday. He uh, sustained a left calf injury. He's getting an MRI on that injury. He doesn't consider it to be serious, but the tests, uh, those results remain to be seen. Clint Frazier, he sustained a concussion back on Saturday. He is still dealing with symptoms, uh, having some pretty bad headaches. So uh, very unfortunate news there for Clint Frazier. Danny Salazar is still limited to playing catch at 75 feet, but he does report that he's feeling better, according to MLB.com. And for the first time today, he threw on consecutive days. So some slow but steady progress there for Danny Salazar. That's one to track in the coming days and weeks. And Mark Melanson, uh, uh, definitely a landmark uh, moment for him. He faced hitters earlier today, today being Wednesday. And it's the first time that he did so since having forearm surgery back in September. So good news there for Mark Melanson. Uh, uh, Let's just check in real quick on a couple of debuts, spring debuts for couple of big-name players. Aaron Judge made his debut today. He is uh, already out of that game for the Yankees. Uh, went 0-2 with the strikeout, so not an auspicious spring debut for Aaron Judge. Be sure to uh, discount him several rounds in your draft uh, rankings. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that. Really don't do that. Uh, Miguel Sano, also 0-2, but no strikeout for Miguel Sano. So don't do anything with either of them in your rankings, just to be clear about that. Sarcasm really doesn't translate well on social media. It maybe only translates slightly better on radio and podcast. So anyway, debuts for Aaron Judge and Miguel Sano uh, just earlier today. A little bit more injury news for you. Brewers catcher Stephen Vogt is going to be out. uh, He's expected to be out two to three weeks with a strained throwing shoulder. That report also from MLB.com. So perhaps in the short run, that's a little bit of a uh, of an uptick in value for Manny Pena. But again, with a two to three week outage, unless there's a lingering problem with vote shoulder, I wouldn't uh, really change his value or Pena's value. Uh, you know, more than a hair uh, in in your catcher rankings. Good news for Austin Hayes. He uh, had an MRA uh, and. It revealed just inflammation on the back of his shoulder, and he could be uh, back playing in the outfield within three days. That, according to Masson.com. So uh, good news there for uh, for Austin Hayes. Alex Reyes, uh, for the first time since his Tommy John surgery, he faced live batters through a 15-pitch live batting practice uh, session. So uh, he's not expected to be back until probably May. Uh, When he does come back, he'll be possibly part of a wide-open closer situation for the Cardinals. Um, They, they, uh, of course, brought in Luke Gregerson, who at the time was reportedly going to be uh, the the front-runner for the closer's role, but was never really announced as such. But um, most recent reports that I've seen indicate that it, it really is just a, a wide-open competition with uh, Tyler Lyons, uh, Dominic Leone, who's uh, you know, recently acquired. So uh, yeah, there's some good options there in the Cardinals' bullpen. That's a tough one, a tough one to handicap in terms of draft rankings because uh, there's a lot of very capable relievers there, and it's hard to know which one might emerge. And that, that was the situation that was in flux for most of last season. Trevor Rosenthal looked like he had that job pretty well locked down at one point, and then he needed Tommy John. So it was it was really sort of a mess. Uh, Sungwon Oh just never really got on track. 
Um, you saw a little bit of Tyler Lyons late in the season. So, uh, you know, it's, it's just really transitioning right from where it was last season. Just uh, a whole bunch of, of arms in that mix. Uh, no one really, I think, not even Gregerson particularly standing out. And, uh, you know, could say the same thing for the Angels situation as well. That uh, as much as I'd like to see Blake Parker have a clear shot at just being the full-time closer there, Mike Sosha just tinkered with that closer situation pretty much from start to finish last year. I think we're going to see more of that. It just makes sense with um, there, there being a greater reliance on the bullpen in general, and then as a result of that, roles being a little bit more fluid. Uh, what we saw at the Angels and to maybe a little lesser extent the Cardinals last year, that would seem to be the wave of the future, which is very frustrating for us fantasy owners and just puts an even greater premium on those closers who look totally safe. And that's never a big number <laughs> to start off with. Anyhow, I really digress there. Um, Bryce Harper has an ingrown toenail. He was scratched uh, from the Nationals lineup today. So I'm sure he will be back in short order from that. Daniel Nava, however, will not be back anytime soon. He had back surgery on Tuesday. He is expected to be out 10 to 12 weeks. He was in the mix for a bench job. Initially, it looked like he had a good shot to be the Pirates' starting left fielder. That was until they acquired Corey Dickerson from the Rays. And that pretty much put an end to that. And uh, so uh, an even bigger blow to Daniel Nava's season as he'll miss uh, at least a couple of months uh, from opening day forward, that according to uh, MLB.com. And uh, it's very, very early, of course, in spring training, but that's not going to stop me from taking a look at a few players who have gotten off to good starts. And I, I try to be selective in doing that because uh, even when you've got bigger samples than the very small sample we have right now, uh, spring training stats generally tend not to be very meaningful. But for players that are you know, coming back from injury, players involved in a position battle, it's, it's good to get a, get a beat on those. So I've got a handful of players who are really starting off well and, and kind of need to be, be starting off well. So I'll get to those in a moment. But before I do, time to talk a little bit about Fantrax because you can create the ultimate Dynasty Keeper or Redraft Fantasy League using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options right at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set the league entry fees and safely distribute payouts without a third party so that you don't have to run around try to track owners down to get payment. Best part of all is that there's no break in the action. Once the regular season ends, Fantrax leagues are immediately open for the very next season. So go and find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check out Fantrax.com today. And when you do, and when you register, and I'm, I'm in a few Fantrax leagues already, uh, really, and, and look, yes, I, I'm writing for Fantrax, so I understand if you think I'm a little biased, but even last season when I did uh, the first leagues I'd ever done on Fantrax, uh, very, very impressed with it. Uh, you should go check it out. And uh, when you do, at the very bottom of the uh, registration form, there's room for a promo code. And the uh, promo code to enter there is AL. My first name, A-L. Enter AL in the promo code. And what that does is that gives you a shot to win a package of 10 private, cons private consultations with me. I do them by phone or by Skype, your call. Uh, those have been available over at almelchior.com, uh, the whole package for $109. This uh, drawing will put you in, uh, uh, in, in uh, contention to uh, get that whole package for free, for absolutely free. So it doesn't get any cheaper than that. So anyhow, uh, enter the promo code, sign up for Fantrax, check it out, and see why they're the home of fantasy sports. All right, let's get back to some spring training performances. One player that I've talked about quite a bit in recent weeks is Ryan McMahon because uh, there's a whole lot of upside there. 
there's some real potential for him to nail down the starting first base job for the Rockies. They have not gone out and uh, re-signed Mark Reynolds, Ad had, as had been rumored. Not that they couldn't still do that in the, the coming weeks, but uh, really the, the biggest obstacle to McMahon at this point is Ian Desmond. And again, Desmond could wind up in the outfield and not first base. So um, first basemen are you know gradually uh, coming off the market, most recently Lucas Duda signing with the Royals. So McMahon continues to have uh, not a clear path to first base, but a relatively unencumbered path. And he's making a great case for himself. Uh, again, small samples. I got to offer that caveat. But uh, he's 6 for 12 so far with a couple of doubles, and he has yet to strike out. So he can't really do a whole lot better than that, Ryan McMahon. So that's good. Jason Kipnis, I don't think he's necessarily or, or not necessarily. I don't think he's in danger of losing a starting role, but there's been questions about where will he play. He is as hot as anybody. He's only had five at bats, but he's four for five with three home runs. He's the only player in spring training to have three home runs. There's a bunch with two, but he's the only one with three. And a couple of pitchers, Hector Santiago, uh, in the mix to start for the White Sox, off to a fantastic start. Five innings, no runs, uh, no walks, five strikeouts for Santiago. So again, small samples. It's uh, spring training, but he's he's helping his cause. And finally, uh, Anando Defino special here, Rogelio Armenteros. Uh, Nando has got to be very proud. Uh, he's uh, pitched five innings with eight strikeouts and just one run allowed. So, I don't think there's room in the Astros rotation right now, but he's making a great impression. You got to believe, Al. You got to believe, man. That's I do believe. So, on that note, time for a break, and we'll come back with Matt Modica. And I don't know, maybe more Matt uh, or more uh, Nando Defino. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. This is the, the Fancy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. And uh, I promised we'd have Matt Modica on. We will have him on. Uh, we'll have him on in just a few moments, hopefully. Uh, it'll be uh, good times because uh, we are all looking for some relatively safe starting pitching. Uh, i got to talk about a few apparently risky pitchers with uh, Matt. And uh, you know, hopefully he can make us feel better about him. Or maybe, he'll, maybe we'll feel worse. Uh, we're, we're going to trust uh, Matt's analysis on this because uh, he is very good at what he does. Uh, but speaking of uh, Matt's and pitching, Matt Harvey took the mound today and um, sort of a mixed mixed outing. Um, so uh, not really, really sure what to make of that. Uh, but his opposite number, Brandon McCarthy, had a really strong start, and that's somebody I'm really liking uh, for this season, very undervalued, uh, looking for a comeback season. Uh, but uh, do we? So we have uh, Matt, not Matt Harvey, but uh, Matt Modica. I am here, not Matt Harvey, <laughs> but I am here. <laughs> All right, well, uh, that's that's good. Well, you know, we had an uneven performance for Matt Harvey, uh, which is uh, you know you always give us a, a full out, uh, you know. A plus performance, uh, Matt Modica. So thank you for uh, joining us on the show today. <laughs> of course, you can find Matt right here on Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, you can find him at uh, CTM Baseball, which is the the home of his starting pitcher index. Uh, anything in particular uh, you want people to be uh, taking a look at it to, to direct people uh, to see what what you've been doing uh, so far this spring? Uh, pretty much, I'm going to be uh, getting a bunch of names out here over the next week. I got tied up in some other things. 
But yeah, this is our CTM Baseball, where you can hear me in the morning show, uh, Fantasy Sports Today. And uh, yeah, just anything baseball, even on Twitter at CTM Baseball. I'm just happy it's getting ever so close. You'll be in town in a couple of weeks, right now? I will, yeah. Actually, two weeks from tomorrow, I will be there. Ah, oh, perfect. Just a couple, couple days Very ahead nice. of Tout Wars. So uh, if you're, you're around, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing you. Cool. Well, I'll definitely make a point of that. Awesome, awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. So, uh, and I'm also looking forward to uh, to this discussion. Uh, you know, we uh, uh, got got together uh, on on email and you know hashed hashed out some names uh, to discuss. Uh, I think it's it's a really interesting group of names. And my intention initially, Matt, was to to put a you know a bunch of guys who are outside the top thirty. I really hammered home the idea. That there's very little, if any, safe pitching outside the top 30, which is a real bummer once you're through uh, the early rounds uh, looking for some reliable starting pitching. But there, there is one name in, in going through uh, your site and your analysis that I feel like I haven't talked about nearly enough, and that's Mass and Bumgarner. And you seem to have a pretty optimistic view on Mad Bum going into, into this year. And I'm, I'm basically looking to be convinced that he's safe to take. Uh, I, I've been targeting Carlos Carrasco as my first starter after the big four. Uh, a lot of people are still targeting uh, Bumgarner. So uh, is, is it safe to, uh, to dive in the pool there? I think it is safe to dive in the pool there. This, uh, the Bumgarner profile I wrote up was January 27th. I had him sixth. Uh, which was, you know, I had uh, DeGrom, Carrasco, and Severino right behind that. I pushed him behind those guys, but I still think he's safe. I, I think this is a guy that's been one of the most bankable pitchers, you know, with regards to return of investment, as I stated on my site. The thing here is he got injured in a non-baseball-related injury, and I think he kind of rushed back. I think there was embarrassment, the fact that, you know, it wasn't something that happened on the field. And with prideful athletes, you know, it's something out there that they can take. Now, when you look at, if you break down his season, it was kind of like an even odd month kind of thing. Which his first month, I mean, everything you looks really strong. In April, the K percentage was twenty five percent. The walk percentage was minuscule at three point six. He got the chase rate close to forty percent. First up pitch strike, which he's known for was, you know, pretty much what he does every year, like around 65%. And the swinging percent, as we got to know, was around 11 But July and September is where you saw the dips. And in August, he was pretty much that guy from April. So I got to think maybe he came back a little early, and then maybe he was a little tired, too. I like this Giants team this year. I think they are going to contend for a wild card. Uh, I know it's a veteran team, but I, I don't know. I, I, I got to kind of be sold not I, betting against Bumgarner to me isn't the wisest of moves. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, reading your uh, analysis of him, it did make me feel a little bit better about it because you break down, you know, all the indicators month by month, and uh, you know, your explanation makes a lot of sense. I would encourage people to go go check that out. Um, you also uh, seem to be pretty optimistic about Trevor Bauer. I have been touting him as a bust for this year, <laughs> uh, particularly on the show, but also in, in a recent bust column that I wrote. And, and, and taking a closer look with Bauer, yeah, I understand last, you know, in the second half last year, later in the season, uh, he, he seemed to break out. Uh, the results were really good. The strikeouts were, were there. Um, but there's there's a couple mixed mixed signals, and I, what I worry about with Bauer is you know sort of Robbie Ray syndrome <laughs> that uh, he'll he could get hit really hard when he's not missing bats, and uh, in the second half the average fly ball distance was was nearly identical to what it was in the first half, and that might have been masked a bit by by a, a very high strand rate, but the average exit velocity went way down almost by uh, two miles an hour. So how do you uh, read all these different signals? Uh, well, what's interesting to me is like when I go to Brooks baseball and you see the classification of his pitches, there was like six different pitches that he threw, which, you know, has probably been one of his biggest problems. He did commit to the curveball last year. 
Uh, the biggest difference for me, if you look at, if you break him down from first half to second half, is the left on base percentage. The left uh, in the first half, it was like 67, 68 off the top of my head. In the second half, it was probably above 80. So those were two extremes. Most of his game stayed the same throughout the season, such when you see the in, the difference in ERA post and pre All Star break. But in, there is positive things to like about Bauer. You know, maybe he's finally, be, it's, maybe the light bulb has finally got off. But I do note that what I like to call the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, the chase rate, the first pitch strike, and the swinging strike, you know, they weren't anything to write home about. The chase rate was around 25%. First pitch strike was below average. And even the swinging strike at 9.2% was below average. So I think for where he goes, if he's like your fourth starter, I'm fine with that. Yeah, he's been uh, going, I, I don't remember NFBC. I think the Fantrax ADP is within the top 40. Uh, and if it's not within it, it's not far from it. So, you know, that would, again, that would put him in, in a 12-team league exactly where you're, you're placing him as a fourth starter. And again, yeah, given the lack of, of um, safe options, Bauer seems, you know, like there's there's a reasonable balance of risk and reward there. So that's probably the most yeah, I mean, optimistic thing I've said about him all, all year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I can see your point as well. Like I said, I'm not all in, but I do think, you know, what he was able to do, I think there are encouraging signs here. And I think after the top 30, when you get or the top 36, you're just hoping to hit on a couple of guys that can – prove positive as adverse to being negative assets on your team. Uh, well, that's, you know, makes sense. Uh, well, I want to uh, head down. Uh, uh, we'll actually just continue in the uh, Indians rotation here. Uh, Danny Salazar I talked about earlier in the show. He's making some slow but steady progress. Um, he says he's feeling better. He threw on back-to-back days. Are we at the point now where, Salazar is is a reasonably good value, maybe because of uh, not being fully healthy, but that you know that monster potential is still there. See, the thing with him is, I was drafting him. I started drafting in the middle of November, and he's a guy that's on a lot of my teams that I've drafted already. And these are drafted holds and stuff. For the reason I've been drafting him prior to hearing about the shoulder thing in uh, last month is the strikeout percentage is one of the league's best. The hard hit percentage was very low last year. I mean, the talent is there. And, you know, if you're getting a guy, in a, say, say a 15-teamer that's going in the 12th round or something like that, past double digits, with this kind of talent and what he can possibly do, you know, if Salazar, say, gets healthy and is ready, you know, second week of the season and can somehow get those innings, there is a possibility he could be a top-ten pitcher. I'm not saying that's his most likely outcome, but he has right. that kind of upside. So that's why I'm always going to be drawn to this guy. The latest news is dampered stuff, but hopefully maybe he falls even further and, you know, then you can just buy it without any kind of concern. That's that's the ideal. <laughs> that's absolutely the ideal. <laughs> and, uh, of course, you can get, you know, Mike Clevenger far, far cheaper. It, it doesn't look like he's got even a rotation spot. And yet, you know, he fits in this mold uh, of, of having a, a really enticing skill set. Uh, do you think, I, I say over and over on this show, uh, you know, skills tend to win out. And yet we haven't really seen that, that happen for Mike Clevenger yet. Um, where, where should we be targeting him? Uh, I'm kind of, he's another guy. What his, what his ADP has been, like I said, I'm more of the 15 team guy. So it's been like the 14th round or so. And I think that's, that's perfect. Uh, what I write uh, on my profile about him is expectations are everything, and price points produce profitability. And back, he was going like around 220-ish range, and I think this is where you can get a profit on a guy that does have to – there are some corrections that have to be made. As great as you, know, you look at the strikeouts and how appealing that strikeout percentage is, I mean, I, I broke it down among starters with 100 innings pitched, his strikeout percentage is 17th, but his walk percentage is is terrible. I mean, it's <laughs> 11, over 11 and a half. So, you know, you have to see that, 
and can he make that correction? But I do highlight his final seven starts, and he really he got the first pitch strike in those last seven starts almost to seventy percent. So I mean, this is somebody that you know you're going to be looking at guys around where you're taking him. Do you want to take Clevenger on one of the best teams in baseball? Or a Dilson Lamet. I like Dilson Lamet a lot too. He's on the pod. He has a very good ballpark, but we've seen his splits. And, you know, I do think Clevenger somehow finds his way in. I know there's a little consternation that Josh Tomlin would get that spot, but Salazar seems like not ready for opening day. So I think somehow, some way, Clevenger gets in there. All right. Well, that's what we want to hear. Um, and you're talking about, uh, you know, pitchers that. We were looking to uh, make make a jump in terms of control. Blake Snell is one of those. I want to talk about him in a bit. Uh, but first, uh, just a, a word, quick word here about DKMS. Did you know that it takes only one minute to potentially save someone's life? No, seriously, just one minute. That is how long it takes to swap your cheeks and join the donor list with DKMS. There are currently over 900,000 registered donors in the U.S., and we need more. There's an American diagnosed every three minutes with blood cancer. There can never, ever be enough donors. So for only $45, you can help DKMS register new bone marrow donors. DKMS donors save approximately 19 lives a day. We want you to help save one life. Please, if you can, go to dkms.org slash FNTSY today. So Blake Snell, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, I know there are people out there that are, are kind of touting him, but uh, – the, the the deeper we get, and uh, we're not very deep in the draft season, but as we you know get a little bit deeper here, his ADP is still well outside the top 200, uh, whether it's Fantrax or NFBC. And then I look at pitchers uh, like Dylan Bundy and Chase Anderson, who also made improvements last year. But I just, you know, the one thing that Snell has done in his parts of two years in the major leagues is, Forget whatever is happening with the walk rate, whatever's happening with strikeouts. He's been really good at limiting hard contact. And I'm not sure that – I certainly don't trust Dylan Bundy to do that. Chase Anderson did it last year. I'm not sure he's going to do it again this year. How do you see those three, Bundy, Anderson, and Snell, relative to each other? Because I think Snell's getting really underrated. Uh, look, Snell, I think, is definitely a guy to – is a person of interest. I think maybe the thing that keeps him down is, is is the team. For me, out of the three, if I could choose one guy, I'm going to take my I'm going to take my uh, chance on Dylan Bundy and see what he has done. You see that the, the slider is just it's it's pretty sick. It really is the <laughs> the strikeout the whiff percentage. I mean, 25 percent he was getting on that. You know, the thing in the past has been they really wanted him not to throw a cutter, sliders, and stuff. And they were kind of handicapping this kid. They were, you know, I understand they had to use, they had to use uh, kid gloves with him. But the slider and change, you know, he's got a nice delta off the fastball of about 10 miles an hour, which is, you know, which wow. is probably, which is ideal, is what you're looking for. There, there are reasons for concern. I call Camden Yards all the time, Corey's East. And, you know, he's a fly ball pitcher. So that is not good. And, you know, he he has been hit hard. But I think this is a guy, you know, a few years back before the injury, he was the number one pitching prospect. And he's a guy that I don't want to be overexposed on, like, every team I own. But I do want to have some shares. And I do want to be invested in this guy. As for Blake Snell, I think there's a lot you got to like with that second half. I don't. I'm surprised too. His ADP hasn't re- hasn't gone up more. Uh, I don't know if it's just a team concept and people just remembering, or they just look at, you know, they don't they don't do the deep dive. And you see the corrections he made with his controllers command in that second half. That walk percentage went down to eight percent, which for him, that's you know that's really taking a major step. Yeah, huge, huge. So, you know, uh, again, with each of these guys, we're looking at your little slices of what they've done and uh, having to put some trust, I guess, in some of it. Anyways, well, we'll, we'll come back uh, with some more analysis here. I uh, want to talk a little later with the colors. we got to get to the third base preview, so don't go anywhere. Matt and I are going to be right back. 
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melkier. And joining me for another segment, also from here at Fantasy Sports Radio, uh, Mr. Matt Modica. And uh, we're just going to keep the, the pitcher analysis going here today, uh, Matt. Um, so we talked about several starters who are generally outside the top 30 who uh, present maybe an equal parts risk and reward, uh, but, you know, looking, looking for the, uh, you know, uh, glass maybe be a little bit more than half full with, with some of them. Uh, I think he made a good case for some of them. Lance McCullers uh, maybe being taken just a bit earlier, but um, a nice outing today um, and, and an interesting outing because he didn't throw his curveball one single time in it. He's consciously working on his fastball and changeup. That's a scary thought for batters that have to face him. And uh, didn't give up a run, uh, three strikeouts, I uh, believe no walks. So uh, a really nice outing for Lance McCullers. But, uh, you know, there's certainly an injury history with him. Uh, and by virtue of that, uh, you got to be worried about the innings. So how early is too early to go after one of the more uh, enticing skill sets uh, among major league pitchers? I think McCullers, I mean, the, the, he has a monstrous upside. And he's a case where you want to have, it's about rotation construction. If you took a pitcher in the first round, one of the, say, the big four that, you know, everyone's touting, and you have another veteran and stuff, and you have a foundation, yeah, definitely take McCullers on. The one thing I will say with McCullers, if you do draft him, it's, I'll use a fantasy football analogy here. With running backs, people would say draft a handcuff, this or that. I think he has a handcuff. I think it's Brad Peacock. I think, you know, if you take McCullers, you, 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 at some point later on in the draft, and Peacock has fallen back as he won't be in the rotation now, you take Brad Peacock. I and mean, Peacock can help you just as a reliever, but if, some, if, if McCullers is not to get the innings once again, I think this is a very big season for him because he needs to prove that he can be a pitcher who can take the ball every fifth day throughout a major league season. So, I mean, I, I, you look at this guy and you drool, and if the changeup, you know, is added to the curveball, he's got the fastball already. I mean, it's just, you want, it, I, I want to take him in every draft, but, but I won't. It depends on, you know, it depends on when I started building my staff, how, how it's created. And, you know, like I said, you have to be cognizant of these things. You can't just be drafting all risky pitchers, pitchers that are risk. Yes, I want upside, and I'm always going to look for upside, but it depends if you have that foundation. Yeah, well, and, and a couple points related to that, and, and I, I'm really repeating myself a lot uh, on this show and, and show after show saying, once the top 30 are gone, who's really safe? I mean, Sonny Gray is really the only name uh, you know, I've put out there, I, I like Marco Estrada because I think he creates the appearance of having had a season of decline, but he's, he's really been the same pitcher for about three years running. Um, I like Michael Waka, but I can understand that people might be concerned about his innings and his consistency. Yeah, I mean, those are a very small number of names. Um, and then there, there's an added difficulty in pursuing McCullers, which is if you, you use that handcuff strategy, which I think it makes a ton of sense, and there's there's a whole lot to like about Brad Peacock, but the thing is, a lot of people <laughs> are in on that, and I, I just wouldn't trust that if I got McCullers and then would target a Peacock, that I would make the move fast enough, because it seems like in all of my drafts, he's going a round or two earlier than I think he's going to. No, that's, that's true. Like I said, you, you're definitely going to have to make a conscious effort on that. And you mentioned some names, like the Walkers and stuff, and I agree, look, Walker has that potential. It's got to be realized, you know, the home road splits, I'm not so crazy about, but 
He's still young. He still throws the ball with uh, some really nice velo. A guy I'll give you that's not a sexy name, that's on the majority of my teams. And even in a 15-teamer, you can get, you know, 15th round or later, is J.A. Happ. Nobody seems to like this guy, want to believe in this guy. But if you look at him over the last three years, uh, you know, the ERA in like over 500 is right around 350, circuit 350. He's got a strikeout rate above eight, a walk rate below 2.7. I mean, this is a guy that, look, he's not in the greatest park, but he has consistently done it. He's changed his game a bit. And if the Jays are really out of it anyway and decide to move somebody, he's a guy that is having a good season, will get moved. Yeah, no, that's it's funny because I, I mentioned Estrada a lot, but really there's no reason not to include Hap on that list either. So I'm glad that you, you thought to mention him. Uh, well, let's uh, get to the third baseman, uh, Matt, mm-hmm. here in just a moment. But also just a reminder that uh, we've got NFL coverage for you all year long right here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Catch the three-hour 2018 NFL Combine Special hosted by Mike Blewett with College Football Today host Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello providing way too much information on the Combine participants and Corey Parson providing fantasy analysis this Wednesday, February 28th from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern. So that's just right after this show. And uh, that's on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube channel. Rebroadcasts of the telecast will air on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network until the Combine's conclusion on Sunday. And we don't stop there. Listen to the Fantasy Football Frenzy with Corey Parson and Tony Sincata every Thursday and Friday night during the offseason at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, and on Sundays, from 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Sure, it's MLB season on the field, but here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network, it's always NFL season. So do check that out. And also, check out our third base preview because it's coming at you right now. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the, it, the early tiers are, are, are kind of weird, and specifically because of, of one Alex Bregman. Uh, I, I've been focusing, Matt, when I've done the other positions, I've named one or in some cases maybe two uh, pivotal players. And I I mean that in a literal sense, that these are players who, uh, based on whether you feel strongly about them in a positive way or in a negative way, that could really impact your level of um, your readiness to be aggressive at the position to go for like a a first-tier talent. And that player for me clearly at third base is, is Alex Bregman because he's being drafted right behind the big five of Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, and Josh Donaldson. So he's essentially, if you're clumping together ADPs and and making that a tier, and that's kind of how it works, Bregman's in the first tier already. Uh, And yet, to me, that is just a huge assumption to make that he's going to have that much of a breakout this year. Um, So do you agree with that, or uh, are you you, uh, thinking that's a bit aggressive? I understand where I understand the ADP, especially in the NFBC. Everybody's looking to when they a lot of people when they're drafting now, they're looking at next year's board as say is Bregman a end of the first rounder, early second rounder, and there's a lot to. I think at some point this kid is going to be a, a stud. He will be in that area. I don't know for sure if it's 2018. I want to have a a share or two just in case it is 2018. And the fact that he offers the shortstop eligibility as well is enticing. Uh, Problem for me where he goes, if I'm in that spot, if I've gone two hitters, I'm most likely grabbing uh, a pitcher there because I definitely would like to have a DeGrom Carrasco type uh, in leading my rotation. So in that scenario, if I had gone hitter, hitter, I'm definitely going to take, say, a DeGrom or Carrasco if they're there. If I have pitching, if I built my foundation on pitching, or I have at least one guy that I think, you know, one of the top five or so, then I could see myself doing it, but I agree with you. I, we're, we're paying for him to be that stud now. We're paying yeah. for the results that haven't happened. Well, you know, I love the way you break that you broke that down, Matt, because it's it isn't just about our opinion of the player, but it's also the you know the relative 
uh, depth of the tiers. So if you're there, you know, early third round in a, in a 15 teamer, let's say, uh, which is where uh, where Bregman is typically going, and you've gone hitter hitter, and you're looking at the pitcher tiers, and and you're thinking, well, it's going to be a long time till it gets back to me late fourth round. I you know I want that Degrom, I you know want that you know Darvish or you know whoever it is you're targeting at that point, and you know what, Anthony Rendon might be there waiting for me. Uh, so you make that calculation. Uh, so especially if you view that there's not that much that distinguishes Bregman from Rendon, I think that's an easy call. But whereas if you view Bregman as really just like a micro step behind Josh Donaldson, I think that's a much tougher decision to make. Yeah, no, it's, it's one of the many tough decisions that are, are going to go throughout the draft. Because like I said, I don't see how he is not, you know, a perennial all-star, you know, possible MVP candidate down the road and all that. I, I think the kid, we, we saw him in college. He was, you know, a phenomenal hitter. And he's on, you know, the, the best team in baseball. Uh, stout lineup surrounding him. So everything is there for him. And like I said, I just, I, I can't do it every time, but I don't want to be shut out on Brugman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, understood that, you know, we all have our players that we like and we value and, and it's still, it comes in the context of uh, what are we giving up at, at pitcher? What are we giving up at, at outfield or, you know, whatever else we're looking at. Uh, um, but, if, you know, moving past Bregman. So let's say you're, you're in this 15 team league. Uh, and you get to a, a pick where it's you know late in the fourth round. You don't have a third baseman. And Anthony Rendon, if you buy Bregman as a first-tier third baseman, then Anthony Rendon is, is basically in a tier by himself <laughs> uh, because uh, the consensus is he's, he's well ahead of the likes of um, Justin Turner, uh, Nick, Nicholas Castellanos, Miguel Snow, um, Travis Shaw, so forth. There's a whole bunch of players that are sort of clustered together, but but well beyond Rendon. Um, d- at that point, I mean, do you have to grab Rendon, or do you have enough faith in in basically what is a very large third tier? Uh, it, like I said, it's, I don't have to grab him. I don't think he's a he's a bad option. Another guy that proven when on the field is going to produce. Unlike with Bregman, Bregman, the sexy thing about Bregman is that shortstop eligibility, too. That really has, cannot be yeah. understated. But, yeah, with Rendon, he's a guy, if, if I, I don't have to take him. I'm fine if I want to make that move and I say, you know what, I'm going to get my third baseman here, I can do it. I don't feel I have to because, like you said, with that huge third tier, I like Justin Turner a lot. You know, I think he's a guy that will give you the batting average and hit you 20-plus homers as well. All right. Well, and, and just to, you know, further fill that out, you know, I meant dropped a few names. Uh, Joey Gallo, you probably could consider part of that group. Mike Moustakis, uh, wherever he winds up. Um, Jake Lamb, I don't know, maybe the jury's out now uh, with the humidor. Uh, but he's certainly being drafted like he's a part of that group. And, of course, Rafael Devers, and a lot of people are liking you know, the upside there. So that's a big group. I mean, I've named, I think, eight third basemen that are, are pretty nice fallbacks if you miss out on the, the big four and Bregman and Rendon. But I would argue that Adrian Beltre and Cal Seeger should be right there with those other eight, making it an even bigger tier, and yet they're being drafted a bit later. Do you think that the Seeger and Beltre are good values? I think they're good values. I had a Twitter conversation yesterday on Seeger. I, you know, Seeger's going to hit you about thirty home runs or close to it. The thing is with him is I think the batting average, if his profile continues on from last year, I think yeah. the batting average, the ceiling is capped. But if he's going to be hitting the fly balls at uh, a fifty percent rate or higher, I don't know if he can get above two sixty. When he was hitting them around, you know, 40%, and his Babbitt was, say, circa 290, I know the Babbitt was down last year, but he was also hitting 10% more ground balls. So if he's going to be this extreme fly ball hitter, I, I, I can't say the Babbitt's automatically going to come back and stuff like that. I think he's a boring, unsexy pick that will get you the, the cannon stats that you're looking for, which he's in that lineup. He's going to hit home runs. I mean, Beltre, I love. I love Adrian Beltre. But this is a man that just keeps defying time. I would be more comfortable. I, I, I've heard word of it 
that he's willing to play more time at DH. It's just, you know, he's gotten hurt the last couple of years, another year older. But when he's at the plate, you know, he's, 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 he's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think he still is. And uh, the age and the recent uh, history of, of having some injuries makes him cheaper. But I like the idea of drafting Beltre. You can just wait <laughs> a good while. Take Beltre mm-hmm. and then, you know, not exactly analogous to the, you know, Brad Peacock situation you were talking about earlier, you know, get a, a handcuff, not necessarily, uh, you know, somebody that's going to replace him. That would probably be Joey Gallo in any event. But, um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of good fallbacks that I like in mm-hmm. the position. Um, what do you think about that as a strategy? And what would, who would be a couple of players that you'd feel comfortable pairing up with Beltre? Uh, I mean, Matt Chapman goes really late. I would have seen Mikel Franco a month or two ago, but Franco's starting to move up, and I, I, I can see why. He, he was going way too late. I mean, he shouldn't be going early, but I think you get a Matt Chapman later. is a guy that should play every day, and he's got the power. So if you pair him with a Beltre, you have some insurance there. Uh, just real quick, I don't know what it is, but I feel compelled to draft Joey Gallo. I feel like if he gets the at-bats anywhere near 600, I think, you know, 50 homers, 10 stolen bases could be a real possibility. I don't know what that average is going to be, but that's why I'm constantly (laughs) trying to build my average early on and get that floor. Well, makes a lot of sense. And, uh, well, I think we've, uh, you know, we've uh, handled a lot of position, which is good, Matt, because we're out of time here. So I appreciate you taking the time, joining me for uh, two whole segments on the show, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing more of your work and, and seeing you back here on the show. Uh, uh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure, and I'll see you uh, in New York in a couple of weeks. Yes, you will. So sounds good. So uh, in the meantime, folks, uh, go enjoy yourself some baseball or whatever you got planned for the rest of the day. We'll be uh, back here tomorrow. Actually, I will not, but Nando DeFino will be handling the show. So definitely tune in for that. I'll see you Friday. Take care.